in a little while, we're going to gather around the table and we're going to share communion together. We're going to share um, the family meal. So I thought this morning it would be great to remind us um, of what it is uh, to come to the table that Jesus invites each of us to come to. And then what can we expect to find when we get there? Um, have you ever had an exclusive invitation? Oh, none of you have ever had an exclusive invitation. I have. Um, so um, 10 years ago, when I was, I was working on a new, I'm going to lame drop another famous chef. I'm really, really sorry. But I, 10 years ago, I was working on a restaurant deal uh, for Heathrow with Heston Blumenthal. There's me and Heston. And if you haven't heard about Heston before, he's a, he's a Michelin star chef. He is known for his wild and wacky food, snail porridge, meat fruit. Now that tangerine there, that is no tangerine. Inside that tangerine is chicken liver pate, and it is divine. And then uh, there's loads of other stuff, snail porridge, bacon and egg, ice cream. Um, he's cooked for the royal family. He's got six restaurants. He's had a show on Channel 4. And I had an invitation by Heston to go to his kitchen and to eat his food. And uh, this was an exclusive invitation. It was not an, an, an invitation that any Joe Public got. This was an exclusive invitation. And I had this invitation to sit at his table while he cooked food for me. And uh, yes, eating dinner with Heston, eating his food, was an incredible experience. And I was excited by the invitation because it was a powerful invitation to an exclusive table, but not as powerful as the most exclusive table in the universe. And that's not a table that you need to book 12 months in advance for to sit at. That's not a table that you need to know the chef or someone there to get an invitation to. This is the table of Almighty God. The creator of the universe invites us to come and dine at his table. Now that's an exclusive invitation because there is only one Jesus, and he's inviting each of us into relationship with him. And his table is powerful, because if we accept this invitation to his table, his table is life-changing. And what's more incredible about this table and this invitation is it's endless. It is endless, because his invitation is all about relationship. And he wants to have relationship with us. It's like gathering around the table at home with those that you love the most. It's a space where you can laugh with your loved ones and your friends, the place where you can cry, the place where you can share stuff that you would never share with any, anyone else. And this invitation is not just for a one-off visit. It's an invite which is available every minute and every second of every day. I met Heston four or five times when I worked with him. But his, his invitation has well and truly expired. I think I've got two books signed by him on my bookshelf. Um, I can't go to his restaurants and eat for free. And if I walked down the street and he saw me, he would have no idea who I was. I have no relationship with him. But the invitation from Jesus is continual. It's an invitation to walk with him and have relationship with him. 
And um, we see in Psalms, David, he knew what it was to have relationship with Jesus. The most famous Psalm, Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He knew what it was to have relationship with Jesus. This isn't a one-time invitation to a table. He's created us for communion. He's created us for relationship. And when we sit down at this table, it brings him joy. When we talk to him, he laughs. He loves spending time with you and with me. And when we come to this table, we're changed. He changes us at this table. This is a table where we receive the best, not the worst, where there's gain, not loss, where there's more, not less. All of this is on the table if we choose to say yes. And for some of us, we may have chosen to sit at other tables. Maybe we've bypassed the invitation that Jesus gives to each of us. Maybe we don't have the time or the space in our lives to come and sit at the table with Jesus. And for some of us today, we need to ask ourselves this question. Is the table that I'm currently sitting at enough? Is it enough? And if the answer is no, then maybe today we need to say, Jesus, I want to sit at your table. I want to be changed. Maybe some of us are nervous to come and sit at this table. Maybe we don't feel good enough. Maybe we've come into the room where the table is and it's almost like we've stood in the corner and we're just looking at this table and we've not actually sat down at it. Maybe we're just picking up some of the crumbs off the floor and we've not actually sat at the table for the goodness of what he's got on offer. Because when we actually sit at the table, what's on offer is Jesus. All of Jesus is available at the table. When you sit at this table, he welcomes you with nail-scarred hands. Shame does not live at this table. Shame is undone at this table. The, priest of, the Prince of Peace, the God who gave everything, everything for us, is at and on this table. And when we do accept this invitation, what can we expect to find? And we're gonna jump around a few scriptures today, but I love the fact that Jesus knows who he is with absolute certainty. He knows his invitation is exclusive. And in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. This is not a guy who thinks he's just one of the ways or a man who thinks he can offer you a little bit of truth or a little bit of life. This is a man who knows for certainty who he is. He states fact. He is the way. He is the truth. He is life. And then he goes on to say, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So the table that we're talking about today is exceptional. It's a table which is rare. It's a table that we should be asking ourselves, how on earth did I get an invitation to this table? How on earth would he and why would he invite me? Why would I get an invite to the most exclusive table in the universe? And what's more incredible is, it's a table that we are all invited to through Jesus. It's the table of the king. 
So what can we expect to find when we come and sit at this table? Lid. I tried drinking that with the lid on. It wouldn't have got very far. Expectations. Um, expectations are a strange thing, aren't they? Because we all um, have different expectations of whatever we're facing. And um, maybe for some of us, the thought of turning up at some exclusive table in a swanky restaurant is a little bit like, oh, my word, what am I going to find? I don't know, what, what cutlery do I use? Uh, what's the food going to be like? What do I need to wear? Whereas some of us, we're kind of like, we just roll with it. Hey, I'll just turn up. I love the fact that this is just going to be a great night. But some of us are planners, and some of us like to know what's coming. And um, a few years ago, Claire and I went to Venice um, for a little trip, and we stayed at this really old-fashioned five-star hotel. And it was one of those hotels where you are attended to throughout your stay. So um, as you sit by the pool, the parasol just moves and follows the sun. And there's someone there who's literally just moving the parasol as you sit in the sun, so my delicate skin never burns. And then at nighttime, you go up to the room and the lights have been switched on dimly and the duvets turned down. I didn't even know that was a turn, turning the duvet down, but they turn the duvet down for you. And so um, Claire thought, well, we better just check what the expectations are before we go. So she went on the, the website, and uh, one of the things it said on the website was, guests are encouraged to dress for dinner. We thought, great, we can go shopping. So uh, out we went. I bought a swanky new uh, jacket. Claire bought some lovely high heels. They were very nice. And uh, that night, we went for dinner you know, down in the lift, and we were like dazzling, dazzling as we walked into the restaurant, and everyone in there was in scruffy jeans and T-shirts. We realized that actually what they were saying was, please just put some clothes on for dinner, because it was a spa hotel, and everyone just went round in their dressing gowns all day, like breakfast time. They would be having their bacon and eggs in their white spa, but we interpreted that as the smart. Anyway... This picture is Claire's anger as we left. <laughs> Back up in the lift, she's like, we did look a bit special in our nice clothes. Anyway, um, we like to know what to expect when we're going somewhere. We like to know um, what we can expect. And the first thing we can expect on the table, if we accept this invitation from Jesus, the first thing we can expect by looking at the gospel accounts of Jesus is that if we sit at this table we're going to receive amazing grace. Grace is going to be on the table. And we all need grace. Whatever we've done, whatever's in the past, grace is going to be on the table. And in Luke 7, there's a table. And a Pharisee has invited Jesus to his table, to dinner. And um, Pharisees, as we know, were well-regarded people uh, in society back then. They were leaders um, they were the people that you wanted to hang out with. They were whining and dining with the elite. Uh, but we also know from reading the Gospels is a lot of the Pharisees were also messed up, much like much of us uh, at times. And so here is Jesus, God in flesh, uh, the one who can turn uh, lives around, the one who can bring dead things back to life. He's sitting at the table here. He's accepted the invitation. And we read in verse 36, it says this, he went to the house and reclined at the table. Jesus is mixing 
with the important people in town, the VIPs. Uh, and he's reclining at the table. And they're all sitting around this table on cushions with their dirty feet behind them, chatting and showing off about, you know, how your stocks and shares doing. Have you been to the French Riviera on holiday recently? Whatever it is, they would be showing off at this table. It would be a lively party. And then in verse 37, we read this. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his tears, his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. This woman knew there was something special about Jesus. We don't know how she knew him, whether she'd met him before, whether she'd just heard about him, but she knew there was something different about him compared to everybody else around that table. She knew that Jesus wasn't bothered about external things or looking good in front of others. She knew that Jesus was about changing things. She knew that Jesus was about giving second chances and third chances. And here she is at his feet, worshiping him, pouring oil out that was probably worth over a year's wages, and she's wiping his feet with her hair. And the host of the party, he freaks out. He's like, what is going on? If this guy was truly a prophet or a man of God, he would knew, he would know that he should not be allowing this woman to touch him. And instantly, Jesus responds, and he moves into gospel mode, and he tells a story. Two people owed a lot of money. One owed a lot, and one owed a little, but they both get their debts cleaned. And he asks the room, who's going to be most grateful, the one with a lot or the one with a little? And everyone around the room goes, well, of course, the one with the biggest debt is going to be most grateful. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. And that is this woman here. No one else washed my feet when I arrived. No one else poured oil on me. No one else welcomed me like she did. But this woman pouring out her most treasured possession, her most treasured gift, with her tears, she showed gratitude. And Jesus looks her in the eye and says, your sins are forgiven. So we have this dinner party where the least likely person in town is now in the room. And everyone else in the room knows her reputation, knows what she's done. And yet Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. And the guests, they start to mutter, who is this? Who is this that even forgives sins? And then Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If we accept this invitation and we arrive at this table, we can expect to see amazing grace on the table. The second thing we can expect to find at the table is truth. Um, now imagine you've, you've just taken your car to the garage and you've had it serviced and you go and pick it up and as you pick it up the mechanic says to you, amazing car, amazing car, nothing wrong with it at all, best car, I wish, I wish it was my car, 
lovely car. And then as you're driving home, the brakes fail and you crash. You would be straight back to the garage and find that mechanic and say, hey, what on earth have you done? Why didn't you tell me the brakes didn't work? And if the mechanic went, well, I was, I was a little bit worried to tell you that the brakes weren't working. I, I thought I would hurt your feelings. I, I thought you'd never come back again if you had to spend money on your brakes. You'd be, pretty, you'd be pretty furious. You'd be pretty annoyed. We don't take our cars to the garage to make us feel good. We take our cars to the garage to get them serviced, to make them safe. And we expect the mechanic to speak the truth to us. When we come to the table, Jesus is going to speak the truth in love. Jesus is full of grace. And we all need grace when we're sorry and we accept we've done wrong. He forgives us, but he's also full of truth. And we need people in our lives who we know will love us and we know who will speak out truth and call things out in our lives. And we see a great example of this in Mark 10. Jesus has this encounter with a man who runs up to him, who wants to know more about this eternal kingdom which he's talking about. And the Bible describes him as a rich young man. And uh, in verse 17, it says this, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him and says, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, he's saying, I have so much in my life now, but there must be more. There must be more to life than this. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? And Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And Jesus is basically telling him in this moment that he is God. And Jesus goes on and reminds him about the commandments. And this young man says, yeah, 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 I've done that. I've kept all of the commandments since I was a young boy. And then it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love this little line. Jesus looked at him and loved him. When we come to the table... We can expect Jesus to look us in the eye and love us. Now, the story doesn't end happily for this young man because he comes back to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him, he loves him, and he speaks the truth to him. And he says, one thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And this guy leaves empty-handed. He doesn't end up staying at the table. He walks away. But what we do know from this story is Jesus loved him. And Jesus spoke the truth in love to him. When we come to the table, we can expect Jesus to look us in the eye. We can expect him to love us. And we can expect him to level with us and speak truth in love to each of us. Thirdly, when we come to the table, we can expect Jesus to get to the heart of the matter. Um, I don't know about you, but if you've got to have a difficult conversation with someone, a challenging conversation, and you get together with them, don't you just end up dancing around the issue for a little while? You know, how's the weather? It's a bit wet outside. What are you watching on Netflix? We want to avoid having the tough conversation. But in John 4, Jesus meets this woman at the well, a story we know so well, and they're having this random conversation about water, but Jesus doesn't waste any time. He gets to the point, and he says, go call your husband, and she says, I have no husband, and 
And uh, he says, I know you've had five, and the guy you're with at the moment isn't your husband either. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter quickly, and that's what he wants to do with us. If we know that grace is on the table, if we know that truth is on the table, then let him get to the heart of the matter. And for some of us, this is painful because it can bring up memories of old pain and hurt. Maybe for some of us, it brings up shame that we've lived with or that we've encountered. Jesus knows pain. He's lived it. He knows shame. But he has the power to change things. He knows that we need to be changed on the inside. He gets to the heart of the matter at the table. The next thing we can expect to find at the table is he will open our eyes more clearly to see him. Now, um, can you remember in the 90s the magic eye pictures? You know, who remembers those? And you'd squint your eyes at some random pattern and then all of a sudden a dolphin would pop out in 3D. Now, I have got a 3D thing. Now, don't try squinting your eyes at this because we spent about four minutes at the 9.30 and none of us could see it because apparently we're all too far away. So don't, you're not going to see a dolphin there, but um, it was just for the illustration, um, which now is not working at all because I've just said you're going to see Jesus more clearly at the table and I've put a pattern on the screen where there's a dolphin and you're not going to see it. Hey, I'll keep going. But when we come to the table... <laughs> Jesus is interested in revealing more of who he is to us. If anyone wants to see this at the end, come and find me and I'll show you on my laptop and you will see a beautiful dolphin. Um, but now, going back to the story of the woman in the well, they're having this conversation, they keep talking. And uh, this woman, she hasn't twigged who Jesus is. Um, and she says, I know that the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. And when he does, he'll explain everything. And then there's this just amazing mic drop moment. And Jesus says this, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Boom. In that moment, her eyes were opened and she saw Jesus. She saw who he was. When we come to the table, we can expect to see Jesus more clearly when you come to the table, you can expect Jesus to shine a light on himself, not because his ego needs it, not because he wants the limelight to be on him. He's going to shine a light on himself so you can see who he is. Because all too often, we get distracted by everything else that's going on in our lives. When we come to the table, we will see him. And he wants to open our eyes up so we can see the God of grace, so we can see that he's the God of of truth, that we can see that he's the God who's in our storm. He's the God who provides in our need. Whatever you need him for, he wants you to see it. The next thing we find is he's going to be more than enough when we come to the table. And uh, in John 2, Jesus still hasn't blown his cover. People still don't know who he is. They just think he's a carpenter from Nazareth. Uh, but his mum knows who he is, and they're at this wedding and the wedding runs out of wine, which is a disaster at any wedding. I'm hoping you guys don't run out of any wine at your wedding. There's a good nod, like it's not going to happen at our wedding, not on my watch. No, good. But um, there's this disaster. And Mary says to Jesus, you can, you can fix this. You can make some more wine. And uh, Jesus sounds pretty frustrated in his response. And he says, woman, 
Why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And uh, I love the fact that she basically then just ignores Jesus, probably because he's just called her woman rather than mum. And uh, so she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And I'm sure then there's this awkward moment as the servants come round and they just stand and they just look at him. What should we do? And uh, Jesus then says, all right, all right, fill up those jars um, full of water, six jars, fill them with water and then take a glass out and take it to the host over there. And they do it. And uh, the host receives the wine and he says, well, you know, why are you giving us the best wine now? Why have you saved this till last It's topsy-turvy. It's the wrong way round. When we come to the table, there will always be abundance. If anything runs out, he'll replenish it. When we come to the table, he brings out the best, not the worst. We don't need to rummage in the fridge for last night's leftovers. When you come to this table, there is everything, everything you could possibly need, times a million. It's all there. This is a table of abundance, not scarcity. He doesn't add anything up. He doesn't make a record of what we've had. It's all available at this table. When we sit at this table, when we sit at his table, there is miracle working power. When you come to this table, you're sitting with the God of the universe who turns water into wine. So when he invites you to this table, he's not going to serve you a Tesco's microwave meal. Everything, everything you need for life is on this table. And when we come to this table, we can expect to be seen, we can expect to be heard, and we can expect to be understood. And how often do we go through tough times and it just feels as though no one gets us, no one understands the path that we're walking through. And I remember years ago, I've said this before, but when I went through a redundancy, Lots of people would come up to me and say, it's going to be all right, I'm praying for you, don't worry, you'll find another job. And the reality is, it was lovely, but I didn't feel like they understood what I was going through. They didn't understand the pain I was going through. They didn't understand that I was feeling rejected and a failure. They just didn't understand. But in Isaiah 53, it talks about Jesus and how he gets pain and how, it, and how he understands it. And it says this, Isaiah 53, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected. And um, for many of us, we know what it's like to feel rejection. We know what it's like to feel on the outside, to be sidelined. He knows suffering. Jesus knows suffering. He gets it. He's lived it. He understands our situation. He identifies with our pain, our frustrations, our loss, our disease, the darkness that we may be feeling or the, or the fact that we just can't see a way through. He gets it. He is acquainted with suffering. He knows. And finally, if we accept this invitation from Jesus, then at some point we can expect him to get up and move. And in the last few verses of Matthew's gospel, just after he's risen, Jesus says this in chapter 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go. He says go. 
And yes, this table that we've talked about is all about relationship with Jesus. Uh, it's a table where Jesus is molding us and making us more into his likeness. But life is about moving. It's not just about sitting. So if you come to this table, you can expect him to start moving you. Uh, and as we build relationship with him and as we connect with him more, he's gonna move the conversation on. And yes, everything in our lives may not be fully resolved at the moment. Maybe our brokenness hasn't all been restored at the moment. Maybe we're not fully the person that God is molding us and making us to be. But while he's doing this, while he's fixing each of us, he still says, come on, let's go, let's get moving. And he sends us out into the world to love the world. He sends us to our places of work. He sends us to the school gate, to the hospital, wherever he sends us. He sends us and he says, come on, let's go. Let's go together. The abundance we find at the table isn't just for us. The abundance is to flow through us and the abundance is to flow from us into the world. This invitation is exclusive and he uses us, me and all of you, to invite people to it. Everyone is welcome at this table if we accept the invitation of Jesus to come to it. And we can expect a lot of things. We can expect grace, truth. We can expect he'll look us in the eye. We can expect he'll get to the heart of the matter. We can expect to see him more clearly. We can expect abundance. We can expect him to listen and to understand us. But if we accept this invitation, then we can expect at some point he's gonna get up from the table and he's gonna start moving. And when he does, he'll include us because we're part of the plan. And he invites each of us, you and me, in the adventure of inviting others to his table. So come to the table. Amen.